0: Every single thing about the episode is garbage, garbage.
1: <laughs> this podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com the only place to be in your pop culture world.
2: Hello listeners, and welcome to the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, where we experience science from the perspective of lab rats. I am Glenn Butler, and I'm not sure how much I've actually said this on the show before, but when inviting people on the podcast, I've often thought of it as bringing them into the podcast Mind Palace, a metaphor that obviously didn't originate with the series Sherlock, but probably entered a lot of people's vocabularies because of it. And after the latest series, though, I'm not sure I want to keep using that particular line. Uh, But of course, what may or may not have been spoiled for us now is something we'll get into in a little bit. And we will have spoilers for the whole series, but especially Series 4, the most recently aired episodes. Now, of course, I have the great pleasure of welcoming back to the podcast someone who's been kind enough to come on several times before and someone whom I know has thoughts and feelings aplenty about Sherlock, Alana Kelly. Alana, would it be fair to say this show's accrued some emotional context?
0: <laughs> has accrued some emotional context? There's a phrase for you. Yes, it has accrued some emotional context. Maybe several. What's the plural of context? Is it contexties? Uh Just plain old contexts,
2: I think. Okay. <laughs> uh, Gotta got work the diction on that one. Nice. I always like to work the diction. So so we're talking about series four coming a year after a one-off special that we discussed a little bit at the time, which came two years after the last series. This is a show that comes along, you know, every geologic era or so. Mm -hmm. We talked about the special from last year a little bit on our Force Awakens episode and... Mm -hmm we were both uh, generally pretty positive about it, but not Mm -hmm. really loving it entirely. Uh, Mm -hmm. So did that color how you were kind of anticipating series four? Were you looking forward to it? How were you feeling coming in?
0: I look forward to Sherlock. Um, I'm uh, definitely a benedict cumberbatch super fan so i I like to watch his work and then i came to also really love martin freeman's watson so i was like great any time to any chance to see them i will look forward and so i was definitely definitely happy to think about a a season four yes yeah i generally agree
2: i i think the show is a sort of um it's really fun at times when it's at its best you know, it it kind of brings you along on this kind of energetic ride of figuring things out with Sherlock to an extent, uh, the, the direction and editing, the way they kind of display clues and display data on screen, the uh, uh, text displayed on screen, which is a, a trademark of the show, yes. uh, kind of brings you along with it and in a really engaging way, and that's kind of a treat that comes along every now and then is, is the way that I've generally thought about it, but
0: yes, but it's what we, and like it also, it's what we enjoy a lot about things that come out of the BBC in general. Like the production values are usually quite high. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And they, they have been so much for this show. Um, yeah, so, like, that's the other thing, like, it's usually a visual treat, it's often, like, a writing treat, like, a narrative treat, there's often some really killer dialogue, and, yeah, I feel like a strange need to to organize what we're going to talk about, Um, so there's three episodes, there's the six Thatchers, which is episode 4-1, then we have the lying detective, which is 4-2, and the final problem, which is 4-3. Yes,
2: indeed. If we're heading into the series, and especially uh, the sixth Thatchers, the, the first episode, we we have to talk about fridging Mary Watson, don't
0: we? Oh, sh- yeah, but I wouldn't call it a f- I wouldn't call it a fridge. Really, at this point, no. She was she was around the entire previous season she has her own character like there's a lot of arguments to be made about how Mary is developed slash underdeveloped slash weirdly developed and those are fine deep discussions to have but I think at the point in which we lose her spoiler alert she dies um um <laughs> I don't I wouldn't call it a fridge cuz like yes like when we fridge somebody we're doing it to motivate somebody else and sure that that's part of it but like often the character has no other features or narrative value and I don't think that's true of Mary I think she has other stuff going on enough other stuff to not call it a fridge. It's
2: she definitely has more to her in series 3. Um mm-hmm. and she was one of the greatest parts of that series. She was a fantastic addition to the show. And I'm really quite put out that she was removed, and she oh, had- I,
0: I, but I knew her I knew her time was limited as soon as we knew she was Mary Watson. like as soon as we knew she was marrying, in fact, Watson. And, you know that that's a dead woman walking role. I guess not not necessarily because this, this is like a interpretation of Sherlock, but like the original um a c d sherlock uh, Mrs. Watson doesn't live very long, sure, but there's always a
2: chance to tell a better story, isn't there?
0: I suppose. And also, I think I'm glad she couldn't escape her past. I mean, the actual method of her method and mechanism of her death is pretty absurd, actually, at the end of 4-1, uh, The Six Thatchers. But the, the idea that she could not get away from her extremely violent past um, played well with me, emotionally and narratively.
2: That's definitely a compelling theme. I just, I just feel like it's a much better
0: show with her in it. Oh, I actually kind of disagree with you on that one. How so? Um, well, I mean, I'm one of the things I enjoy the most about the first two series is how open they left the story for queer interpretations. And Mary's presence really just dis- disrupts that, which is fine. And also, um, Amanda Abington, I think, acted the shit out of Mary. Like, I think she added a lot to... What was on the page for Mary, but like I, I like my low key, unspoken queer um, Holmes and Watson, or or Sherlock and John, as they're known in this modern uh, version of the story. Uh, I prefer them over over uh, Mary being in it, or, or or them being like you know like a Scooby Doo gang. I'm not not as into that. Hmm. The three, the three of them.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I'm never gonna be about the shipping, but. That's fine uh, I, I, I get that as a perspective Definitely but I don't know There, there is a whole raft Of discourse about The uh, relationship Between Holmes and Watson In this show and in Every other adaptation And there is a ton of discourse About whether it's Low-key open to Queer shipping or Whether it's crass queer baiting or whether it's just not there but you can read into it however
0: you like they used to leave it more ambiguous and as they go on they remove ambiguity in a way that distresses me I liked it better when it was undeclared
2: I can see that I can definitely see that i I
0: just although that does definitely squarely make it queer baiting to leave it ambiguous like <laughs>
2: It does. Well, I suppose the label queerbaiting depends on what sort of intentions you want to interpret into the actions of the uh, showrunners and the writers. And there is also a whole raft of discourse about good old Stephen Moffat. And not not quite as much yeah, a, about like, Mark Gatiss, but still.
0: Yeah, and Mo- Moffat tends to be kind of crass. Um, he cheats a little sometimes when he writes, but I mean, we don't we don't have to. I think those I think those complaints about Moffat are pretty well known. I guess what I want to talk about is four one. I thought was actually really a really solid installment. 4.2, two, I actually really really loved, like genuinely loved and appreciated as a. I don't. I want I wouldn't call it a standalone, but like it has. It has a. It has an excellent. Um, you know, villain of the week. And then four three, was the single most disappointing television experience I think I have ever, ever had. So there's that.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, we got the hot takes coming in. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked the middle episode. Um, Yeah, I'm predisposed to like the episodes where Sherlock is going after terrible rich people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are fun. And it was great. And Toby Jones was so
2: good. He was so, so very good at a character who is admittedly a little one note, but the way that he played that kind of put a little more subtlety into it. And then when he kind of dropped that veneer and was just cackling and cackling and cackling and would not stop, it it really kind of gives the viewer the same impression that Sherlock has, that that the sheer arrogance and security of this man in his arrogance is just driving you mad.
0: Yeah, and also, I was a little nervous about the the teeth prosthesis that they made toby wear but actually ended up being okay (laughs) but what i the the part i really 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 loved about toby jones's performance was toward the end of the arc when he's alone in the hospital room with sherlock and also the way he enters the room behind the the door which is so creepy so like directly out of a nightmare But then like he comes over and he wants Sherlock to plead for his life, which is like a trope that you sometimes see with like a, you know, an arch villain and and a hero, um, you know, something like that. But it's, it's very, it's a very soft spoken interchange. And he has Sherlock plead a couple of times and he says like really quietly, that's, that's lovely. And it like really highlighted the perversion of it. Like the, why, why was he a serial killer? Was it a power thing? Was it a game thing? No, like he was actually gratified by the extinguishing of other lives like a true pure psychopath and which also like reflects back on how sherlock is not a psychopath like they call like people call sherlock a psychopath from time to time in the story and it's like it was just like a nice drop in into the series like no kids like what an actual psychopath looks like is this so. well what an
2: actual psychopath looks like is the uh, serial killer from episode two and what a psychopath looks like is the uh, big bad of the entire season, apparently. And there's there's Sorry. there's something else that there's possibly a lot to go into as far as the relationship that the show has with like actual diagnosable mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. You know, like when Sherlock calls yes. himself a high-functioning sociopath when uh, yeah. he kills Rupert Murdoch in series three.
0: Yeah. And yeah. and
2: then when we're, people are talking about Euros as a uh, psychopath. Yeah. But when it comes to Culverton Smith, it's all about control and it's about power and it's about not just having that in the business world, but also having that in your hands.
0: Yeah. Also, the intelligence he displayed making Sherlock's accusation into a joke. Like he turns on a dime. Like. He, he doesn't lose any political face at all in the face of Sherlock's, like, accusations. It's just, Sherlock doesn't have power at all. And yes, it turns out he's designed a trap for Culverton Smith, and and it's very delightful to watch him fall into it and everything. Um, and I was genuinely nervous for him um, <laughs> when they are in the hospital. And there was a lot of artistry in that episode um, related to the who who we who we think is faith visiting sherlock and all the ways in which that character was reminding sherlock of john like she when we sh- she shows up she has a cane and she is walking like she's she's a companion to sherlock like at one point she uses the word um, amazing to describe one of his deductions which is something that john does in in episode 1 of the entire series and like and sherlock has this one moment of like a really kind of a faraway little smile on his face. And like, they don't, they don't do a flashback. Like they don't, they leave it really light. But to me, I was thinking of John. And of course, Sherlock is missing John um, acutely at the beginning of this episode. Like he's trying to, John's furious with him because, over Mary's death, which is silly by the way. But anyway, he's missing John at the beginning of the episode. And like this, this evening that he has with faith is, uh, is interesting. See,
2: that's, that's somewhere else where I kind of fall on the um, fridging issue with Mary, where she Mm. kind of hangs over the narrative for the rest of the series after she dies and hangs around with John, literally, for a while. And everything that was going on with her and everything that was going on with her dark past and and everything that related to her as a character kind of melts away, and she... Hangs over the narrative for the rest of the series just to inspire a bunch of man pain,
0: i suppose which which
2: I understand is something that's gonna happen when the other characters in your show are men mm-hmm. but it's it's still i don't know it comes across to me as 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 really obnoxious and kind of a waste.
0: I did like Ghost Mary though I guess I liked um John's really good at being haunted, he's been haunted a few different times.
2: Yeah, and that's something that Martin Freeman can, can really play. I mean, no matter what yeah. no matter what is going on, Martin Freeman and Bandicoot Cumberbatch uh <laughs> are very, very good actors, so much so that it, it hardly needs to be pointed out anymore. But no matter how disappointing the thing that they're in or the the stories that are developing are, they are God they're good.
0: They are. They bring a lot. They do elevate the material that they're given pretty reliably until 43 because nothing can elevate it but we I think we're about to get into that but um <laughs> yeah they do they they act their dialogue wonderfully they they pick great tones and then also they do they do a ton with their faces and body language always and they just fully embody yeah e- even
2: like i said when when the storyline is Kind of obnoxious or painful. I I get such like secondhand embarrassment or or rather secondhand anxiety sometimes uh, with, with these things. Watson's texting affair with the woman who turned out to be Eurus is was oh. just painful to me. Like whenever any scene relating to that came up, I I, I just wanted to roll my eyes and groan.
0: Oh, interesting. I actually liked that cuz I think like Canon Watson is a is a womanizer, but I just like I don't know, maybe it's because I'm married and I have children, but like I really identify with like the fantasy of like catching a stranger's eye and like having like a little secret that you that kind of sustains you when your stress level is really high. I don't know. I, felt, I found I found that really identifiable. That's fair.
2: That's fair. I I and, I, like, I, I hadn't considered it in, in the context of uh all of the stress of being a new parent. That's true.
0: Yeah. Like just the, the, those little things of escapism and also watching him like really weigh it. Like, am I, you know, am I going to contact her at all or not? Like, am I saving the number or not? Like how high will I escalate? And then his decision to pull it like before they, before they ever had any contact, like physical contact, as far as we know, I'm pretty sure not actually. Uh, But you know, like he was cheating in his heart, I think is what he would say. And then the part where he doesn't get to, like he was going to confess that and then they get called to the scene in the aquarium and Mary loses her life. So like, he doesn't get to, re- he doesn't get to put his guilt to bed. And I think the pain of that is very, uh, I-, I understand that too. And like, does it mean that Mary's death is a fridging so that we can have all that? Maybe, maybe I like, maybe I just like Watson and pain. Maybe I'm a sadist. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it's certainly fair to like
2: Martin Freeman playing pained stoicism. Mm -hmm. And that's something that he does a whole lot on this show. (laughs) Mm. Also, there's a bit of a visual reference, I don't know if you'd call it a visual gag, where Mary dies and then a couple scenes later, Mycroft looks balefully into his fridge. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: (laughs) Which, by the way... Maybe you can explain this, because I I don't really know. Why is it that Mycroft appears to work in a prison cell and live in another one? Like, that's just a little detail of the set dressing that really kind of threw me off a couple of times.
0: Yeah, Mycroft's home life is super weird. That whole scene with the refrigerator is super, super weird. Like, does Mycroft have a takeout menu on his fridge? Like, is that a thing?
2: Apparently, th- that the kitchen set was was very very minimalist, and just the the concrete walls in his kitchen and in his office both really stood out because they really looked like prison cells.
0: I mean, maybe it's like the idea that like that they're explosion proof. I I, just, I have no idea. And oh, the before we get into fucking the final problem, the the. I did want to say I enjoyed what we find out about the therapist. John is seeing is not, is not a therapist. The woman he saw on the bus is not who we think she is. Like there's this reveal. And I, and I wanted them to do something different than what they actually did because when we see her on the bus, Oh, and then we find out also that it was, that she was faith. Um, when we see her on the bus and she's talking to John and approaches John, she has an Irish accent. And, like, when we find out she's not who she says she is and she, we're in the therapist's house and it's getting all heated, like, the idea that this person would have been an agent of Moriarty or related to Moriarty's conspiracy and that, like, you know, no matter, you know, he continues to be everywhere from beyond the grave. Like, that was really exciting for a second before we find out what they actually did with that. But the idea that, like, actually nobody was casually flirting with you john you're a fucking target again because of your association with sherlock <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah because nothing
2: is allowed to happen to watson that's unrelated to sherlock
0: right and just kind of a constant f you and f your autonomy but but actually at the same time it's a callback to the opening of the series when mycroft approaches john and is like you know, this is not, like, a regular person that you're going to start associating yourself with. Like, like, this is not a regular flat share. I just feel like someone should tell you. Um... <laughs> yeah, so sh- should we start with the final problem? Taking it apart, maybe, or...
2: Oh, goodness. Oh,
0: goodness.
1: Promotional consideration paid for by the following voice of ring of honors kevin kelly here i just want to make sure you're all subscribed to all of our great feeds here at place to be nation now it's really easy to do just head to itunes or your preferred podcatcher app today and search for and subscribe to the place to be nation wrestling feed place to be nation pop feed pro wrestling only feed and of course the kevin kelly show feed which includes the full archives of my podcast Subscribe, listen, and then rate us and leave feedback today. And of course, as always, enjoy all the great action of Ring of Honor Wrestling and everything presented to you on placetobenation.com. Placemanation's JT Rizzero here, and I want to let you know that we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Placemanation.com, and we offer them to you across two great feeds. On the Placemanation Wrestling feed, you can check out Scott Criscolo and me on The Mothership, the place to be podcast with our famous vintage wall pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current day wrestling with the smash hit clotheslines and headlines our city veteran main event and the beloved monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on all pro wrestling super shows we live wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series led by ben morse the always contentious dangerous alliance podcast and survey says a fun look back at the good bad and ugly of wcw on our very popular place of nation pop podcast feed we offer such great shows as the glenn butler podcast Hour, spectacular rank and file nba team lucha undead geek and sassy and a veritable podcast heaven for comic fans with hard traveling fanboys sellers points todd weber's conversation and imaginary stories subscribe to both of those feeds on itunes and rate and leave feedback for us as well all of these shows plus others available at playstation.com where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments and more. Be sure to support our site by using playstation.com backslash Amazon when doing your online shopping. And download our free Place to Be Vintage Vault Refresh e-books via the links on the right-hand side of our site. We also want to thank our friends at Boneheads, Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts, TheHistoryOfWrestling.com, and Scott Keats, Blog of Doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. Placemanation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. The PTBN feed has changed its name. Now known simply as Pro Wrestling Only. So it should be easier to find and indeed to say. All of your favorite shows are still here, including Where the Big Boys Play, Letters from Kayfabe, Titans of Wrestling, tag teams back again this week in wrestling and many many more including our full archives of tremendous content so make sure you subscribe to the pro wrestling only feed today
0: So, like, up until the final problem, it was, like, an adventure genre, but then the final problem starts and suddenly it's Saw on Shutter Island. See, that's... What w- even the fuck? <laughs> See,
2: that's one of the things that really jumped out to me about that episode in stark contrast to the usual structure of a Sherlock episode, even the big finales or the big premieres. Uh, which are plentiful when you have three episode seasons, Mm -hmm. you expect a Sherlock plot to be somewhat labyrinthine, right? You expect a lot of narrative alleys where, you know, they're they're investigating someone and it's not them, and they're investigating someone and it's not them. And, you know, the plot thickens, as they say. And Mm -hmm. the final problem is just so much more straightforward. A to B to C to D. You're in this room, and we're doing this. And then you go to this room, and we do that. And then you go to the next room, and we do the next thing. It, it's And we it's... know
0: who did it. We know who did There's no mystery. There's zero mystery, like, about who is responsible for the anguish. Like, there's mystery about things that happened in the past, which I guess is supposed to sustain us, but there's no, like, there's no tension there.
2: Yeah, and I know, I know that it's a real thing that happens to real children presented with trauma, but narratively, all of Sherlock's revelations of things that happened to him and to people he cared about when he was a small child, and then, you know, Bramble Pelt, Cumbersnatch, you know, looks into the middle distance and says, now I remember.
0: It it just feels cheap. It is cheap, and it's horribly written. It doesn't do any service to any of the characters. It's it's just insane what they chose to do. Like, especially, so we met Mr. And Mrs. Holmes in season three. And like, is there any way in the universe that they would have euros confined that way from, from childhood? Absolutely not. There's no way in the world. And then if you were going to confine euros in such a place, like what even the fuck with the security and security breaches? like, the the first, the first, oh my god, like, do, how did she escape at all, first of all? Like, how did she ever, 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 ever escape? And I'm not interested in the explanation about the glass. That was nonsense. That was nonsense. oh Yeah, it was nonsense.
2: Well, that's just everything that follows on from her, like, apparent hypnotism superpower or
0: something. Mind control. Yeah. Like, which they never, they never call it mind control, but like, no... Being persuasive to that degree is not a feature of intelligence like I just whoever wrote it has no under like there that's not a thing that's not a thing
2: it's it's the TV like, version
0: like, like the the people in Sherlock are not soups like were they watching too much Marvel before they wrote this shit maybe like that is not a thing
2: I well. I don't know about Mark Gatiss, but I'm pretty sure Stephen Moffat hasn't seen a superhero movie since the uh, first Richard Donner Superman, at least going by the Doctor Who Christmas special uh, of recent. Mm -hmm. But anywho, it's very much the TV version of persuasiveness, and it's very much the TV version of the idea. As uh, foreshadowed in the uh, Thatcher episode, uh, when Sherlock says, you know, if you know every variable then apparently random things would follow from premises that you know. You know, and and, and that is exactly Euros's superpower, I guess. You know, throughout the show, it, it's almost like a superpower, the way that uh, Sherlock and Mycroft interact with the world. That's certainly the way that it's presented in terms of cinematography sometimes where
0: sometimes but like they've given the explanation that mycroft has a ton of resources he has a ton of power and a ton of money and that's how humans achieve powerful things they don't have actual enhanced ability like and i know that they don't they don't refer to yours thing as an enhanced ability but the way that they depict it in the show has nothing to do with human abilities like it's it's just insane and also it's so stupid what they say about it they say my mycroft is introducing her as she's you know she's uh, incandescent intelligence and uh, you know n- not seen since Isaac Newton. Like did they just like Google search for genius names? Like they couldn't come up with somebody more relevant than Isaac Newton or more like more like what is that? That's it's so lazy. I'm offended by it. It's just nonsense and also they they wrote the 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 entire thing they did with mycroft and the final problem is just a complete disservice to everything else we've seen about mycroft like it's just every single thing about the episode is garbage garbage (laughs) i'm just so angry (sighs) about it i know i know it's so stupid like we could just name all the stupid things like how the fuck did they get to the holmes estate to do the closing Hashtag unclear. Like, how does Watson not re- not immediately recognize human bones? He's a doctor. Fuck that. Like, how did they get him out of the well when he was chained to the bottom? Hashtag unclear. Like, it it's just, there's so many plot holes.
2: See, see that's the sort of thing that doesn't grate with me that much, because I don't think those plot holes are that hard to fill in. I mean, they got tranquilized and then woke up and had been transported. You know, uh, Lestrade... On a helicopter, probably.
0: From where? <laughs>
2: From Sharonford to wherever the house is. Oh
0: my God! Contracted by who? How did she get out? What the? F-
2: oh. She she has persuasion superpowers. Yeah. She Bug. told she, she told the helicopter pilot to go there, and like, I don't I don't know. Moriarty built the shack. I I don't know. See, that's the sort of thing that doesn't stand out as much to me. The, the things that that kind of irk me more about it are the things that are just concentrated on and turn out to be either trite or pointless like everything on the airplane with the little girl yes which turns out to be Eurus's mind palace or something
0: oh my god they did they barely bothered to address that and it was just ridiculous and like the the mystery about the song that she's singing makes no sense the thing on the gravestones makes no sense. Like they don't flesh it out. It doesn't make sense. Like none of these mysteries are in character for previously established mysteries in the way that they're solved. Like that. Like Sherlock doesn't cheat. That's the entire reason we love Sherlock is he can explain in a list how he got from point A to B. And it's usually ridiculous, but like he has a path and he can explain it to us. There are no paths with any explanations for any of the nonsense that they do in the final problem. And it just, it has nothing to do with the way that they tell stories in Sherlock. It's just crazy instead. And they throw away the Victor Trevor idea that exists from Arthur Conan Doyle. Like they brought it in and then they crap on it immediately. Like, it's just, they also do not adequately give foundation for Yurisa's obsession with Sherlock. We're supposed to somehow figure out from the story that she set Moriarty on his obsessive path with Sherlock because she is still obsessed with Sherlock and has been since she was a child and she was uh, horrifyingly jealous of Sherlock's friend. And I th- they, they, I just think, don't. They don't. They don't prepare it. I think
2: actually Moriarty already knew about Sherlock. I think he mentions him in that scene five years ago before he goes to talk to Eris. Mm-hmm. But uh, she definitely. Well, she
0: she sharpens his focus. I think uh, she
2: definitely influences him. Yeah, that's another thing that kind of grates about this whole series just past that they keep bringing Moriarty back again and again and again in various different ways and they referenced Irene Adler a couple of times and it's just yeah. it's just reminiscent of back when the show was better and had more ideas and people liked it more yeah right i mean maybe Laura Pulver isn't isn't available that's fine but like Bringing her up for very little reason just reminds me of Scandal in Belgravia, which was an incredible episode of the show.
0: Yeah, it was wonderful. Ellen is really strong. It was yeah. my favorite for a while. Ooh, what is now? Oh, actually, maybe it's uh, maybe it still is. Although, really, I, the Reichenbach fall has so much. Yeah, Reichen- going on.
2: Reichenbach was really good. Last vow, the wedding episode was really, really good. I thought
0: that was uh, that one was okay, and I actually do really like the lying detective. I really do. it it's, it's probably my top three now. Yeah, but, but oh yeah, some more, so, some more, some more nonsense with um. Like Mycroft is such an idiot in this episode, um, and I enj- I actually enjoy the the dynamic that they had previously established that Mycroft is smarter than Sherlock. and and needles him about it from time to time but like mycroft is even more horrifically socially handicapped than sherlock like i enjoy that continuum between the two of them and then mycroft is such a dumb shit in this episode it really breaks my heart that he's just he's not allowed to be to be smart and um oh and i was gonna go sorry i was i'm I'm, uh, bouncing a little bit but uh i i enjoyed the only, the only moment, the only moment in The Final Problem that I enjoyed at all was seeing that they, that they did have, they did have Moriarty and Euros speak, so, and I was excited about the ramifications of that, possibly. I enjoyed seeing him in the office, and, like, the idea that Mycroft had met him before. Like, we learned, we learned that it's before, like, it's before the events of the series that, that this happens, this meeting on sharonford because like mycroft is so shitty about his distribution of information to everybody and like this this one which he became ashamed of is obviously really damaging so like i like i liked that one little fragment of um why moriarty and sherlock like sherlock of course would naturally be obsessed with somebody like moriarty but like how much mycroft was involved in in that like John John's always naturally blamed Mycroft for how damaging Moriarty was to Sherlock, and then it's like it's it's even worse than we thought. So I kind of liked that emotion, sort of. But then they just it's, oh they throw it all away again. Like I I I, I would have liked it better if Euros Euros and Moriarty were like more more of a partnership, unless that unless that like oh well Euros put put him under her sway because that's what she does. Thing that they kind of hinted at.
2: Yeah, when I was uh, first watching it, I was about 60% convinced that they were going to go to Sharonford Island and find Moriarty in the prison, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I had that thought also. And I also kind of liked the... There's some famous short story, and I can't remember, uh, and I apologize to everyone for not knowing it, but there's there's some short story where we find out that actually... In, the, the story is set in a mental hospital, and we, we later find out that all the quote-unquote doctors are actually the patients and they've they've incapacitated all the actual doctors and so there was like there was like a little hint of that when and john's kind of discovering like who is euros talking to on this tape it's like actually that guy who uh unfortunately has no agency anymore (laughs) no not at all Um, The lead guard, or whatever you want to call him, the 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 doctor, or the governor—I guess they call him at the hospital—and then just like all of the TikTok, TikTok uh, nonsense, like all the little tapes that Moriarty, I I guess, made in the five minutes that he had with Eros, and then she can use them later. Like what? What? So it's just so cheap that those little tricks are so so cheap.
2: It's so much of a narrative shortcut bringing Moriarty back because he's a very important character because euros can't stand on her own because there isn't that much that's been invested in her.
0: Yes. Cause they randomly created her at obviously the last second. And I know that they like, they want to, they want to get credit for being clever, by like having Mycroft speak cryptically about the East wind all the time. Like just, just fuck that. Like I don't buy that they had this in view when they started the series, this particular way that it would, Oh, of course not. And like, and they also like. I think they were trying to tell a story full of pathos. Like, oh, Sherlock is so messed up because he has PTSD or 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 uh, CPTSD um, from from all this kind of stuff. Like, not to be all clinical and stuff, but but they don't really they don't really go into that. And they they have not gone into it before. Like, we we hear about. Redbeard a little bit in season three as Sherlock's beloved dog and they actually I honestly think it would have been better if the trauma was that Eurus killed the dog I think that's actually adequate to explain why Sherlock is like vaguely and poorly remembering that like losing a pet actually is horrifyingly traumatic when you're a child they didn't need to do that and they didn't need to add the murder of a child to Eurus's body count cuz she already killed half of people.
2: Yeah, it was like so the- much more chilling when she killed the governor's wife because she was a person who was there and a- was actually in a scene. Yeah. Than than some child we see for 10 seconds in a flashback.
0: Yeah, and like she killed the dog and set the house on fire and she was like 7 years old. That's that's plenty. That's plenty. And also like we met the Holmes, like I'm still mad because we met the Holmes parents and, you know, we learned that Mrs. Holmes is a genius, a a math genius. uh, And Mr. Holmes is kind of more regular. um, And they've, they've, they, you know, they've raised Mycroft and, and Sherlock. uh, And it's, it's a bitch to, to raise gifted children. We, we know that from society, but like, we also know that like the animal cruelty and like, horrible acts of destruction like they're associated with with serious child abuse usually and like what what is that like you 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 can't just throw that in there i don't know it it just it does not make any sense it's it's disconnected from everything that's been established like i don't know what they were going for other than shock value and I don't mind being surprised. I like left turns in a story. Um, we have some really good ones in four one and four two, actually, where it's like, lol, like when we see the Agra drive again, uh, and Sherlock is super disturbed by it, I actually loved that. And then they go back and explain that there's more than one Agra drive. The one that was thrown in the fire didn't magically reappear somewhere else. There was more than one, which is an actual explanation for why you would see one again after you saw one get burned. And that works and, like, is is physically possible and makes sense, unlike many of the things that we see in The Final Problem.
2: <laughs> also, I think as a TV show goes on, and it feels weird to say this about Sherlock because this was the 13th episode, but as a show goes on, there's an impulse to explain more and more about the characters, sometimes to excess. Like, Sherlock is withdrawn and socially maladapted and extremely intelligent. I'm not sure that needs a point-by-point origin story, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, and especially since it's not even a good one. It's not a good one. At all. It's just not. Like, you can extrapolate why... Like, how how being burdened with a genius like Sherlock's would make you an isolated child. Like, you can do that without any of this other shit. There's actually some excellent fan fiction about Sherlock as a child that that goes into many different dimensions of of how he would come to be how he is. That don't have to do with an insane institutionalized sister that his brother's been veiling from him since childhood. It's just, it doesn't, it does not work it doesn't work it doesn't serve the previous material it just made me feel sick and sad and ripped off and pissed instead of anything positive
2: i think at this point i'm kind of done with the uh asshole genius archetype
0: mm-hmm. we see it a lot
2: we see it a lot and it is so obnoxious Mm -hmm. I mean, to a limited degree, you can indulge it, but as you go on and you see it in more and more shows, and especially procedural shows, because it's always a character dynamic you can rerun, it's just tired, I think. You know, eventually, eventually you want every other character to just shun him because it's painful to be with him. Like Molly, more than anyone else.
0: Oh, they really fucked with that, too.
2: I was kind of more interested in whatever Molly was going through before Eurus called her than I am in anything else that happened in The Final Problem.
0: Yeah. You know, what got her so upset that day? Actually, yeah. That's an open mystery, isn't it? So, Someone on Tumblr pointed out that they really went backwards with Molly. Like she's very lovesick in the beginning. And then she kind of gets to come into her own a little bit. We see her stand up to Sherlock a little bit more and more. Like we see her, she's got that boyfriend at some point at their wedding. Like she's trying to get her life together. And of course she was a conspirator in the Reichenbach fall Mm -hmm. and successfully kept that secret from Watson. Like that was a strong, strong move. She's meant to get stronger as a character over time And then the last we hear from her is just something that demonstrates zero growth from episode one, although she's more sad and angry when she's talking about it. But like the idea that her love for Sherlock is humiliating is something they already talked about and like they make him sit in it. And I guess like part of it is like a torture for Sherlock because he's developed. So now he gets that that's humiliating, I guess. So that makes it more like about him than about her. And, um, like the coffin was super ridiculous, like why was that there? What are you talking about? and like the the way they explain the deductions that he puts forth to figure out that it's that it's Molly are just there's just really thin, it's just really thin, and I also think like a coffin for a woman who's about five foot four who loves Sherlock could just as easily have been Irene Adler as it could have been Molly,
2: yeah, um, yeah, and that's what Watson says, and Sherlock just. Kind of yeah. brushes it off
0: I actually think it, it maybe should have been Irene Adler rather than Molly If they were going to even sit in that At all and it was just ridiculous
2: Yeah I really that, I really Wonder if that was An issue of availability for the actress
0: I read Somewhere in Some discussion of it that That, that scene was an add-on They used it to replace Something that they all hated worse Than that so I can't even imagine what that would have been. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That it was kind of like a, an, an added in thing. And maybe, maybe that does again suggest that they couldn't find, um, Laura Pulver. too bad. Cause she was great. Um, <laughs> and I like her being an agent of Moriarty. Like I, I like it better when Moriarty is still the one in control. And like, if they were going to bring him in to something called the final problem, I would have liked a more strong relationship with the ACD story. Which and I guess they felt like they couldn't go there because they used the story of the final problem in the Reichenbach fall. <laughs> but,
2: they used um, it. They used it in Reichenbach fall. They used part of it again in Abominable Bride. So I don't know oh, how many yeah. times they can adapt it.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's dozens of Sherlock stories, and only on, there's only a, like maybe a handful that are like you know very popular and um, serve continue to be pop culture reference points even now hundred a hundred years later. More than a hundred years later I don't I just uh, I wish they had wanted it to be good. I mm. just don't and also I'm so pit like why does Mary get to be the one who does this weird like ABC family? Don't worry everyone. it's all gonna be fine. like they're gonna go back to two two one b by the way, they destroyed two two one b with an absurd grenade that allegedly was from Muro's. like, what even is that? That's nuts. Like,
2: that was stupid too. Anyway, anyway, what was was nuts about that What was nuts about that scene was that the drone flies in with the grenade and army man John Watson doesn't know what a grenade is. And Sherlock doesn't know what a grenade is. And they they have to ask Mycroft to explain to them what a grenade is. It was a
0: special grenade.
2: I get that it was a special grenade, but you look at a thing that is shaped like a grenade, and which is threatening you, and the guy who was in the fucking army doesn't know what it is.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, because
2: one of the smart characters has to explain it to him.
0: It was real dumb shit. Oh, that, that does, although thinking about 221 being the explosion, it, it reminds me of how much I enjoyed uh, Mrs. Hudson in episode two, where she's like, she has her fancy ass car and she ended up dragging Sherlock to John's therapy appointment in the fucking trunk. And uh, she reminds Watson that she's the widow of a drug dealer, so of course she can have a nice car, like, and of course she can own property in central London. like.
2: Yeah, Mrs. Hudson rules.
0: Yeah, she rolled really hard in that scene, and like there were there was the there were those jokes about how predictive Sherlock can actually be, um, and John and, and, and you know John is so pissed about it, and then it was like you like you figured out where I would be, and like May, the, the ghost of Mary like explains like how Sherlock would be able to figure out where John was exactly, and then like the haha like he didn't predict that Hutters would throw him in the fucking trunk of the car though <laughs> like. That, that joke I actually enjoyed. I think it might have been the last time I laughed, um, in the Sherlock series because I did not crack even a smile in the entire final problem. And, like, I don't have a problem with dark content. Like, the Reichenbach fall is actually super, super, super dark.
1: But mm-hmm. I love that
0: one. It's not, like, it doesn't have to make me laugh. That wasn't, that's not actually the problem. The uh, utter logical fails are a problem. The uh, choice to switch genres to horror is a problem all of the ways in which they break the rules of physics and time are a problem all the ways they broke they broke character were a problem all the ways that they give euros a bunch of power and then take it away again when it's when she's just a sad little girl alone on a crashing plane hashtag what that's a problem the whole thing is a problem they don't even have they don't even have the music like our little our little adventure song can't even squeeze in because it's just it's too it's too dark and fucked up
2: Yes, but which of these problems is the final one?
0: <laughs> that might be a good place to, to do the, cut, the clapboard. <laughs> um, yeah, for real. So I guess it's like R.I.P. My Love of Sherlock. I enjoyed you. Do I'm you th- kind of ignoring it, I guess.
2: Do you think you'll come back when they make more?
0: I heard they were going to make more. Why? I I
2: I kind of hope they don't for a long time. Just get some more ideas first.
0: I talked to the Tumblr about my sadness and the prevailing theory that has any merit at all is that the final problem is a coma nightmare of John's. Oh, come on! Yeah, and I actually see how they could recover from that because I do actually think that they artfully insert like the way, they, the way that the dream idea functions in Abominable of a Bride is actually pretty good, it holds up pretty well, and then the way they flow it into Sherlock being high as balls in, in his debriefing with uh, <laughs> with MI6 at the very beginning of 41, I, I enjoyed that. So there is maybe a way that they can do it. Um, maybe they can just lock Moffat like in a trunk. Instead of letting him write even a single word for season five, if they even do one,
2: See, but that's... I don't know if they
0: have enough money to afford Benedict and Martin anymore. Um,
2: I, I I'm pretty sure they do it for a lower rate than they could get when they're between movies, just for fun at this point. Because both was of their. There
0: anything fun about the final problem, though? I'm, I'm a, I I have to only imagine that shooting the final problem was fucking excruciating god
2: see i don't know i'm 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 sure they had fun together you know being together all the time
0: uh also the effects work in the 221b explosion was really bad that was a little insufficient yeah like don't do that if it's gonna look like that like it's 2017 you can't that doesn't hack it anymore that's nope that doesn't work yeah so like is the final problem a nightmare of john's and and like is it a cult co- like the east wind thing like like the idea of euros like did john at one point study latin when he was in medical school or is it greek it might be greek um greek yeah yeah and like that one time when he's being taunted on the tarmac when sherlock is flying away at the end of uh i guess it's his last vowel, episode three three about how there's an east wind and this whole shit, and it's so like it's like that 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 little chunk is in his brain uh and then he like he dreams this entire shit maybe they will use zeros more the way that I wish her to be used. is she a compatriot of Morarity literally like I don't know what even
2: that sounds so bad.
0: <laughs> Also, I didn't like Euros. I didn't like Euros being in a nightgown. I didn't like her having hair like the girl from the ring. I just, I, I didn't like anything about it.
2: I know that real deal sociopaths and psychopaths are able to kind of fake more typical emotional lives, and that's why uh. you don't always know if someone is a sociopath technically. But Euros seemed to kind of swing from, like, not knowing, like, what am emotions? Oh, I got the wrong one. And, and then she was able to so seamlessly have her texting affair with John and be his therapist. Yeah. You know, which would involve uh, quite a lot of discussions about emotions, you'd think.
0: Yeah, and like, what does it mean to be crazy? Like, that it's a very under considered and stuck in tropes for her to have, like, a child's voice and, like, yeah, the she has ticks and stuff. Like, she has some ticks, but then suddenly she doesn't. Like, either she's at a high level of impairment or she's not. Like, you have to choose a vector, and they just don't. They just do whatever they want instead, and d- it holds no water at all.
2: It's very much a, uh, a TV show intersection with mental illness and always has been on sherlock really
0: yeah they they use it pretty cheap most of the time i mean
2: i'm i'm coming at it right now from a uh, less forgiving viewpoint because i just saw split the other day oh the, the, i don't know that one the uh theatrical feature film about james mcavoy playing a person with dissociative identity disorder who oh. abducts some girls Okay. Which, I'm not going to go into spoilers for that, so don't worry, dear listener, but there are a whole bunch of, there's a whole avenue to go down with the uh, movie mental illness thing and and all of the various shades in that movie. And in in Sherlock, it's always been kind of a superficial TV show view of sociopathy and psychopathy uh, that you find in a lot of crime shows as well.
0: It falls into the way in which neurotypical people will use the idea of pathology for entertainment when, when it's actually not particularly funny and it's not like it's tourism to be a bunch of people who don't have mental illness writing about and depicting and considering people allegedly with mental illness with like no, no consultation of people who are mentally, like, you know what? It's just, it's not very, sympathetic and it's frankly fairly dehumanizing to approach it in the, in the way that they do. Uh,
2: Definitely at times. Yeah. But um, overall the impression I come away with from this series is just that Moffat and Gatiss don't appear to have a whole lot of ideas. You know, they keep returning to Moriarty over and over and they keep throwing in Irene Adler references as, as, a little spice so much. And the progression isn't really there. I mean, I get that you want the resolution of the big overarching Sherlock story to be about the emotionally repressed and maladjusted Sherlock finding an emotional solution to a case, right? You know, he eventually does intuit that what Euros really needs is a hug. Except Um. that comes in the form of presenting euros as really just needing a hug
0: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. and and so there's an impression that i get that they just don't have new ideas on where to go with this thing which
0: which is so stupid since they have v- literally volumes of source material fucking read it more than like what are you doing over there
2: And I know... I mean, they know the source material. They throw in Easter eggs all the the ding-dang time. But in terms of what they're doing... I mean,
0: the ACD really struggled to finish Sherlock 2. Like, (laughs) it's hard to kill your Frankenstein, I guess. Right,
2: well... I mean, as we're drawing to a close on uh, Stephen Moffat's time on Doctor Who... And possibly Mark Gatiss's as well, because since he's Moffat's best friend, he gets to write an episode every year, and they're not good, usually. Uh. Just just the lack of ideas, combined with the recent Doctor Who Christmas special that I was not impressed with, particularly, uh, just does not leave me looking forward to the next series of Doctor Who, sadly. I mean... I I won't go into it a whole a whole lot of detail because Alana, I know you're you're not a, a, an avid watcher of the show, but mm-hmm. um, one of the things that Moffat does on Doctor Who all the time is when a cast member is going to be leaving the show, he'll do stories where they could possibly leave and then they don't. It's like he's rehearsing it several times. Uh, mm. When when um, Karen Gillan was going to leave the show, there, there were a few times where you know, the Doctor would drop her off at a house, and she would be gone for an episode or two. Or or something would happen that might presage her leaving the show, and then she wouldn't. And then, eventually, she did. And when you're coming up to the time when, as a viewer of the show, you know, you know, cast members leaving the show, this is actually it this time. You think, okay... And and the other writers uh, have rehearsed it in this way and this way and this way. When they actually do it, they've got to have a better idea than all those rehearsals, right? Uh. And the same thing happened at the end of the 2015 series of Doctor Who when another cast member was leaving the show and had rehearsed it so many times in so many different ways that you think, what the hell is it going to be this time? And it turned out to be wonderful, Uh, The the last three episodes of Series 9 of Doctor Who, I thought were so, so good and handled that departure so, so well. Told a better story than those rehearsals and functioned in a way as a rehearsal for Stephen Moffat leaving the show. You know, there are all sorts of things. I, I don't know when he thought he was leaving or thought he could be leaving after that series or the Christmas special following that or whatever, before he got signed on because the next showrunner won't be available until 2018, so he's doing one more series. And so there's that tension right now as well. Uh-huh. Like, we know this is Moffitt's last series, probably with the Christmas special after that at the end of the year as well, but series nine would have been such a good ending for his tenure on the show. And Uh even the Christmas special following that would have been a good ending for his tenure on the show. And now, with the most recent Christmas special and this most recent series of Sherlock, in which there aren't a lot of uh, new ideas on how to move forward, I really, really hope that he has something good up his sleeve for his actual departure from Doctor Who, and I have no idea if he does. He probably doesn't,
0: dude. I yeah maybe. He's not a long term planner, like he's not he hasn't done that for us or himself.
2: <sighs> Quite possibly, but, but I mean we'll see. I guess. Yeah. And and there's always the the, the fan dynamic with Moffat just drives me batty sometimes. Cause that that's yeah. that's one of those areas where. I don't like him as quite as much as his avid defenders and I don't hate him as much as his haters because a lot of his haters I think hate him for bad reasons but there are also good reasons to be dissatisfied with some of his work so it, it's it's complicated but um man I I hope he's got something
0: good. <sighs> okay, let's put a more optimistic spin on it. It'll be great and <laughs> <laughs>
2: um i actually read when i when i and was that's there.
0: why and it it is he has been working on it this whole time and sherlock was so shitty because he was busy making doctor who wonderful
2: well oh god uh series 6 of doctor who suffered in the extreme because Moffat's schedule in particular was packed And he was trying to make Sherlock and that year of Doctor Who, they did a long mid-season break. And even after that, they were essentially filming all of his first drafts. So -hmm. that didn't go well. So when he's he's really, really busy and making two shows at the same time, it's not a great track record. Although Sherlock was great that year, (laughs) in any event. Um I did actually read today when I was uh looking around in a couple of places that apparently at the same time that they plotted out the um framing structure of series four, they actually plotted out series five a little bit too. Oh uh, I know, well, I know.
0: Okay. I,
2: I have I have no idea if or when they'll wind up making it, but there's that. Oh, oh
0: man. I mean, will I watch it if it shows up? Of course, I will probably, depending on how five one looks <laughs> <laughs> depending, depending on how busy your life is. It depends on what they do in five one, I guess, right, or so I say probably I probably will finish it. I have compulsion to complete pretty badly about most things, even things that betray me, like Dexter comes to mind uh as a show that went off the rails and and broke my heart. But then, like, maybe it was kind of okay at the very last second. Uh, And then, like, Weeds also was a show that um, went pretty far off the rails and then sort of vaguely came back. But it's hard to know when to kill something that's successful. I I, I appreciate the challenge of that, but it makes me... Especially, I guess, I'm spoiled now that we're in the era of the streaming-produced... Uh, mini series because you get Im- you get amazing amazing content like like our friend uh stranger things which was clearly plotted from from head to toe before th- and, and, and and you know sherlock comes from a different time like if sh- the, the the mechanism of producing sherlock is quite different and the the the, the time that they have had to sustain between uh, production cycles is, is much different and uh, all all those challenges and i i can respect those challenges it's just the the idea that they the, the idea that they seem to have had no end game and they gave us this is just wow although i i suppose 5 really is going to happen and that makes that makes the final problem not the actual series series finale
2: and yet it feels like it at the end too it's like a total reset you know, there's no more there's no more Mary. They have they have the baby, but apparently they can, you know, drop her off whenever. And oh God. And and Mary comes back again from beyond the grave to deliver with this, a different
0: DVD. Yeah,
2: to deliver a trite little monologue about no matter what happens, there'll always be my Baker Street boys. It's it just It was
0: so insufferable. Oh God. It reminds me of something that, like, it reminds me of something that you might hear if you went to, like, the Sherlock Museum of Culture, and, like, you got one of those little tapes with the headphones, and, like, a docent, you know, ta- like, a docent's voice talks to you about everything that you're looking at. It was like that. It was so weird. Or, or, or like, it was, like, an, an in-memoriam reel for... Sherlock and John, like the, just the tone of the speech and the way it's delivered, is so fucking w- weird. And not not even like Mary; she doesn't even sound like Mary. It's just weird. It was. It's just such a mistake. Like that. There's just every single every single instinct that they had with the final problem was wrong. Ugh.
2: Quite. And on that note.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. oh man. Put it out of its misery. Put me out of my misery. <laughs> oh. all right
2: and on that note i think we are going to draw to a close tonight alana thank you so much for coming back on the show to talk about this is there any place online where you would like to point our listeners
0: oh i'm in a little bit of a facebook sabbatical because of grad school but if people would like to talk to me uh you can use messenger to reach me at alana jane and let's see where am i hanging out on the internet I've been rediscovering how wonderful Tumblr is and how you can search for specific tags and become instantly gratified. Um, And maybe I just want to encourage people to follow um, content about Mads Mikkelsen because he's really sexy and interesting. (laughs) Quite. Uh, This is kind of a random recommendation, but there you have it.
2: Alright, and if anyone would like to contact me, leave comments about the show, and leave it on the uh, post for this episode on the Place to Be Nation Facebook page, you can find me on Twitter or Tumblr at Bun, or email me if you would really like to. B with two N's at PlaceToBeNation.com. if you have questions, comments, suggestions for the show. Um, if there's any topic you want us to cover, that's, you know, we'll always take it under consideration. And um, thank you, Alana, for being here again, and thank you listeners for being with us. Uh, We will be coming back soon, we will have our second annual Oscar preview for the Best Original Score category, because that was a blockbuster episode for us last year, we're gonna do that again. And we will be back as time and subjects permit, so thank you very much, and good (laughs) night! Sherlock on Tumblr, or, or Twitter, or anywhere? Yeah. Did you see... Oh my god. After I uh, caught up with the show, I was looking around and all I saw was the episode four shit. The episode four of it? You, you you didn't see
0: any of that? I guess not. What are you talking about? There
2: were whole swaths of people convinced that there was a secret fourth episode to the series.
0: Oh. That, weird. W- that was nope.
2: going that was going to air a week after the final problem. And then uh, when it didn't, th- uh some of them decided that oh no, it's gonna air on January twenty-eighth, because that's the anniversary of when Sherlock and John first met or something. Maybe the twenty-ninth, oh, whatever. Or maybe it'll air in March, because there's some other significant anniversary in the Sherlock Holmes Canon in March. Uh, So, like, obsessed with the idea that, one, there's a secret fourth episode coming, and two, that that secret fourth episode is where John and Sherlock are finally going to kiss.
0: Oh, yeah, so the part of that I did see is the John Locke conspiracy people. Um, I run into them all the time on Tumblr, and that's um, the people who think there's no way on earth that the show would not end in them being a couple. And,
2: and and it's even
0: like, though and has completely denied that that will ever happen, and I believe them.
2: No, they have they have no interest in 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 doing a a queer love story. Just like they have no interest in Sherlock being asexual, because that's you know that's not that's not their deal. That's not what they're doing. Um and and by all means ship your ships. And mm-hmm. I agree that there need to be more shows with queer representation. Absolutely, but like. Obsessing so narrowly on John Locke, and and honestly, it seems like a lot of the people who are most invested in John Locke are a, uh, a certain subset of straight folks. Oh yes, uh, which feels a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it just it's just I don't get it. I mean, ship your ships, but I don't get the, the, the like, monomania about it's going to be canon, it's going to be canon, they're going to do it, it's going to be canon.
0: Like, no, sorry. It's not, it's not. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, on one hand, like, I kind of feel like folks are grieving and they're in the denial and bargaining stages to think that there's going to be a fourth episode. <laughs>
2: Like seriously, the idea that there's some secret fourth episode, other. and and people say that you know, well, they have unannounced uh, prologues that came out before series three, and you know, in Doctor Who a couple of times, and like, yeah, that was before the episodes that were announced to drum up interest. Like, if if you wanted to drive ratings down as much as possible, I suppose you would announce that you're airing some other show no one cares about and then show an episode of Sherlock instead. But, like, even aside from, from the commercial considerations, which I suppose are a little complicated at the BBC, yeah, the motives behind a a secret fourth episode from the perspective of, like, TV producers and stuff doesn't make any damn sense. It's... and... and
0: Uh, It it was just annoying. Oh yeah. Also, you make a good point. What does it mean that all the John Locke conspiracists, almost all of them, solidly ninety percent of them, are women, and a lot of them are straight women? That that is really weird, isn't it?
2: There's well, there's a long, long history of um, uh, shipping and fanfic and all that being an area where women could like explore sexuality a little more than uh, the cultures they live in let them. Uh, c- cer- certainly, that was that was a big reason why so much of the uh, Kirk Spock slash that invented quote unquote slash uh, was mm-hmm. written by women doing fanzines in the seventies. So, I mean, there's a long history of that in fandom. But, uh, like I said, sometimes it, it, it sometimes it does get a little uncomfortable.
0: Uh, I hear i re- I respect I respect your your take on it as a queer guy yeah well I don't know I
2: get a little nervous about taking that mantle on sometimes too because I'm not like super obviously stereotypically queer so it, it's I don't know kind of feels like you stealth, have stealth queer sometimes
0: you have yeah yeah it's I guess just, that, that's no, it's fine it's something it's something it's good to acknowledge
2: yeah it just it it gets it gets complicated you know where there, there's there's a certain there's a certain passing privilege sometimes in in bisexuality or pansexuality, but there's also the conflation of that sort of passing with there's the idea that that's tantamount to straight privilege that that some uh monosexual Queer people used to kind of minimize and dismiss buy and pan people. It gets so, so complicated.
0: I mean, we're human, so anything we can throw in a hierarchy and punish each other for, we will. Yeah, basically. That's apparently part of human nature that we can't shake. (laughs) (sighs) Why?